is huge. I mean, it's like a man. It, it's big. Kane, son. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study. Not to bring back. But to wipe them out. That's the plan. You have my word on it. All right, I'm in. Let's rock! Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Patrick Rain, Christian Motzka, Andy Geek Girl, Harry Chicos, and Xander House, waiting in the wings in our chat box. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hey. Welcome. I think from now on, we, it should be Xander in the house. I think that's how we should. <laughs> okay. Xander in the house. Okay, so let it be Always written, so let chat. it be done. Yeah, that's that's our new decision. No, I'm, I'm excited. We haven't recorded all together in a while. It's the overdue, and uh, and we're really looking forward to it. And before I hand the mic over uh, virtually, we do have two new patrons that haven't gotten shout-outs yet, and I'm going to shout these patrons out because they are holding down the fort. We have had a tremendous decline in our patrons since the movie came out. It's understandable. I get it. But we do still need support for other things. So if you are interested in joining our Patreon, please do go to patreon.com slash perfect organism because we're still putting a lot of content out. We have a lot of plans and we have things that we're already getting ready for next year that need to be budgeted for basically. So if you're interested, if you're on the fence, please don't hesitate and please join us. Um, as you'll hear tonight, we've been interacting with patrons and preparing for this episode as we did on our previous episode as well. So it's a, it's a nice community. Anyway, our two new patrons are Ian Ayello and Zan. So Ian, Ayello, and Zan, thank you very much. I may be synthetic, but I'm not stupid. So tonight brings us a really exciting conversation, I think. It's something that we've not done as a podcast before in terms of a speculative episode. And something that's been weighing on me in terms of like, hey, one of those things, like, what do you think that this might be? Is how the, su- the egg got on the Sulaco. And of course, you see this at the beginning of Alien 3. And I pose this question to everyone uh in the PO team or on the PO team. And uh, everyone seemed interested to talk about it. And then I also posed this question on our Facebook page, I don't know, a couple hours ago and got some interesting responses, some, some snarky responses, but I thought it'd be great to, to open it up to hear what people think. Just stay away from me, Bishop. You got that straight? Yes. Can I just say that I love this conversation. I love the whole speculating. There's so much, to speculate and think on in and throughout the entire alien saga and franchise and just really every film there's little bits of uh crevices right there's like cracks in the door in the window things that you can just go down entire rabbit holes on of like hey you know where or how did this come to be right and and i know a lot of it if you're thinking practically is like um okay they're doing this for the the film or just to advance the storyline or um for pacing or editing or whatever right all that stuff is realistically how you make a movie but in the imaginative storytelling and like 
what's the word the fantasy part of um what happens that we don't see uh is just really fun and i i love it since i was a kid watching these movies with um my friend uh we would we would do this all the time and and talk about like or or we'd have like a set idea on like how um things came to be and whatnot through through some of the movies but i i definitely don't have to start with some of mine but well let's throw out a question for everyone to answer at first when you first saw alien 3 and they flashed to that clip of the egg hanging essentially on the ceiling were your what were your first thoughts were like we're like oh this is ridiculous how did this happen or did you believe it did you buy it so who's laying these eggs I, I can go quickly. For me, we are already existing in a magical realist universe because of all of the things that would have to happen for the queen to be able to get on the dropship, to be able to get on the Sulaco in the first place. And so yes. in that, in that, you know, <laughs> magical realism, the idea of her somehow shooting an egg out without her ovipositor on in off camera somewhere makes sense enough for me to be able to buy it because I'm just like, you, you, you know, the, you, there's suspension of uh, disbelief quite a bit going on. I do think that even as a child watching these things, I had questions about what was up with it. And I also think that sometimes, and we see this with Alien Covenant quite a bit, these sorts of, I I think it's safe to say it was an error, a continuity issue, can actually make a movie more interesting because you end up opening this wall for all of this door. (laughs) You gotta love when a wall opens up, right? opening this door for people to inject their own subjective ideas into. So yeah, so for for me, it made sense as just sort of like, ah, we're already kind of accepting a lot of things that don't really quite add up. But I, I want to hear what everybody else has to say. Can I jump in on this quick? Because Patrick, I know we were around the same ages, at least when like, we were getting into alien and aliens and, and then seeing alien three too. And so uh my buddy chris and i when we were watching it we always thought that um it was like a defense mechanism or like a or not defense mechanism but like the queen leaving her nest knowing um that she may not make it back there uh and in like a sense of needing to procreate the um the alien on further uh we always thought that she could like hold those two huge ass eggs like on her back, you know, like in between like the the spines on their back or something like that, like they had, but you couldn't really see, but it was like something she could leave like a, is like, like oh. a backpack. She's oh. like, oh, I'm about to die and poop these <laughs> eggs out, you know? <laughs> and then it was kind of like, and we were like, yeah, that's probably how it happened, you know? <laughs> so Perry, you just said two eggs, but there's only one. Why don't you put her in charge? You better just start dealing with it, Hudson. Okay. Yeah, there's only one shown, and there's and right, one right, face right. hugger does everything that we see. It lays both eggs. Okay, sorry. So when I was younger, we had kind of thought that there was two eggs, and I wasn't super privy to the idea or the fa- and I I do believe that now. Oh my god, everybody, don't think that I've always thought that there was two eggs, um, because I know of the queen face hugger. I do. I know that. Um, I know that from the NECA uh, action figures as well, but um, sorry. So I um, I actually like went back into my my young brain for a moment, Christian speaking about this. Uh, and I and you guys, I swear to God, I'm not backtracking. Pull the ripcord on my parachute right now. <laughs> but uh, I I um, 
I don't know. I because when I watched Alien Three for the first time, I'd never, for a while at least, I had never watched the, um, the special or the, the uh, assembly the cut. Assembly cut. Thank you. And I didn't see like the scene with the big face hugger that lays the two eggs. And um, out of the NECA collection at the time that I had, I did not have the queen face hugger. And I, and I just was like, yeah, I just didn't catch on to the, to the things like that. So I always thought that the queen had like two, she laid one egg that laid the queen and then had another egg that laid um, that would lay eventually like a protector alien or something like that and so anyway that's probably going to sound confusing to everybody and and uh that's fine but um thank you christian for clearing that up and for allowing me to confuse it up You're <laughs> <welcome>. <laughs> i'm gonna hear from andy well i don't know if you guys remember but the first time i saw it i already knew what happened because my friend and i came upon the Alien 3 novelization that was released before we saw it in the theaters. So I went in with full like anger mode already preset into me. I was like, just angry. And I'm like, what are they going to do? Like I went in just, I think trying to just rip it apart because again, my like 14, 15 year old self was just angry. Um, so I didn't even think about it. I wasn't even like trying to put the pieces together until I, I rewatched it several times. Cause as much as I hated it in the beginning, I kept rewatching it. So then I, you know, would lie awake at night thinking, wait, so, and again, I also thought two eggs. So I'm with you, Perry. No need to explain. You know, I was there. Thank you. You have the two face huggers. So you know, in the beginning, I'm like, how is this possible? I did go down, which I'm sure we will go down the Bishop theory rabbit hole. Um, but I quickly put that out of my mind. Um, but I'm with Patrick. I think I just kind of bought it. Like, sure, if she could squeeze herself into the, you know, landing gear, like tiny little hole, however she squeezed herself onto that. Sure, she could grab an egg or two and throw it on. So I bought it in the sense that I was along for the ride. You know, when you're on a ride and you're like, maybe not questioning like what's going on. I just wanted the fantasy and I wanted like, I'm just going to take what they throw at me. And it wasn't until later I really just started, you know, trying to break down all of the, all of the little parts and, and figuring it out. But I was alone in my, my fandom for so long that it was just me in my own head, like circ circling back pre-internet, pre, you know, all of this, just trying to, trying to figure it out. So I probably just, I don't know where my brain went, but it probably was in some pretty um, nonsensical explanations at some point. My best what about friend. you, Christian? Okay. My best friend also read the novelization beforehand, which astounds me that these things were available back then. And she didn't tell me anything about it. But right before the autopsy scene, she's like, oh, I need to go use the bathroom and left me alone in the theater just long enough for the whole damn thing to happen. So I had to just get out there. Maybe I've said that before, but it's traumatic and I need to share it. You guys are remembering things wrong. The, the, the AP, the, the dropships 
um, landing leg does not fully uh, retract. It's it's stuck out, and we think it's because of the piece of metal that got caught got caught on. But the queen is in there, and it can't pull up. That's all. Come on, James Cameron has this covered. Which we'll come back to James Cameron because there's yet another theory that that relates to him. When I saw Alien Three for the first time, and the that film throws so much at you so quickly. We're like a minute into the film and, and the world has been completely irrevocably altered by these flash cuts. Um, uh, the egg pissed me off and what followed pissed me off as well. So I was, I was in an angry place. And so I was not in a accepting kind of place. However, it, it's worth saying, of course, the egg is there because there needed to be an alien for the film to go forward. That's, that's the whole point. Could they have done it in a more um, nuanced, subtle kind of way? Absolutely. But I do feel there is an explanation that does not involve throwing any other characters under the bus. And Perry's already kind of alluded to it, but we'll get it to it later. I do think there's a way that you can, by accepting this film as being part of continuity, you can also accept the plausibility of there being an egg there and even how it got to be there. So, Jamie, you have to answer your own question now. Actually, let me read Xander's reply and then i'll go into mine because it's kind of similar so xander in the chat says whenever i when i whenever i first saw alien 3 i just rolled with it because but i eventually questioned it for the prequels i chalked it up to the queen took an egg with her i personally think now with the prequels you could totally say that the egg formed from spores wherever whenever bishop got impaled or wherever bishop got impaled it's a nice connective tissue to the prequels and it's cool callback to the unused alien 3 script where an egg formed in bishop's cryopod interesting um i didn't really think twice about it initially either because like you said christian so much is being thrown at you in the beginning and you see this egg and it's like boom this and then there's a lot of kind of trauma happening you see an egg you see the the, eight, the actual face hugger legs kind of come up and over that like railing or whatever wherever it is and then you see there's a fire and then there's cryo tubes that are ejected and then you see ripley kind of breathing heavy and then you, there's there's a moment where you see uh, it's like a not a 3D version but it's a, a X-ray version and you can clearly see a facehugger on someone's head and they're slowly rolling and it might be new you don't really know who it is it could be Ripley you're not really sure so so much of that is going on so by the time we get down to the planet you're just rolling with it you just but then you know years go by and you're like wait a minute yeah I, and I just kind of questioned it but I never like questioned it like this doesn't work how dare it you know like this is ridiculous because like chris like uh you said patrick kind of the suspension of disbelief i mean so many things that happened there's no way that queen could have fit inside that landing gear area there's no fucking way uh, but if we're going to accept that which we do right then somehow an egg could be on board but i have also other in my opinion, more plausible theories about what, how that egg got there um, or perhaps how the face hugger got there because there could be two face huggers. One could be from that egg and one could be brought aboard from someone else. So I'll leave it there. It is impossible for me to harm or by a mission of action allowed to be harmed a human being. Xander was referring to the, the very first script by William Gibson where the torso of Bishop has grown into an alien egg which I think is a beautiful concept. I think that it visually explains how that would have occurred. Like this is the spot where he was traumatically impaled by an alien. Ergo, an alien now is growing there. If we can accept the the egg morphing from alien, I think we can accept that a queen can make eggs out of anything. 
And when they took that out, when they took that element now, they kept the egg and they kept Bishop, but they separated them. I think that was when we started to get a narrative problem. I think you're right. And then and then the, the, the beginning of the film really comes from Vincent Ward's script, where by that point, it, it had already been so long since there had been an explanation for the egg being there in the first place. And he, he was just like, we need a carte blanche movie. We need an alien on the ship and we need to get rid of these other characters. So like, this is how the movie starts. And he, I, you know, I, I think we've talked quite a bit about his script before being a really fascinating document. I don't think it's a document that's particularly tied to continuities of previous centuries in the franchise. So I think he was kind of like, fuck it, I want to make a new movie. And there's an alien in this one, so there's got to be an egg on the ship. And I, I think that's basically, even though they didn't shoot his script in Toto, they basically took it and, and modified it and then ran with it. So yeah, I think that's, I think you're right. I think the initial concept came from the Gibson script and then it got kind of lost in time. So should we just throw out some of our theories? Yeah, I mean, we got to dive into the big ones, the, the Bishop yeah. one. Yeah, everybody's yeah, ready to fucking throw Bishop under the bus well, tonight. Let's, Hold on. let's before, rock, guys. Before we do <laughs> that, do though, before we do that, there are a couple other little little issues with this. And one of them is there's so much confusion about where that egg is. Where on the ship does this thing occur? Mm. Because it's it's hanging down next to a support beam that clearly has the, the word Sulaco printed on, on it or embossed on it or whatever. That tells us, okay, the, the egg is on the ship. It is not on the drop ship. The drop ship would not have Sulaco written on it. Some people think that it's actually in the cryo chamber. Um, okay, and, and the other thing that we have to talk about as part of this is this face hugger acts differently than any other face hugger in the series. Right off the bat, there's no motion, there's no proximity, there's no heat signature, there's nothing to make this face hugger come out of the egg at this exact moment versus the the days, weeks, however long it could have come out previously. So we're already talking about a unique species or a unique version of the facehugger and so i don't believe that it's in the cryo chamber i have actually a, a i have a theory about where it is do you does anyone else have an idea i know christian but i am very interested in <laughs> me what too. you have to say seriously <laughs> me too. Here, I, i've always assumed it was in stasis with them like in the same area of the ship yeah i guess me too yeah because that's what i thought there. okay because so, somebody okay. brought it there it rhymes with, rhymes with <laughs> wish up <laughs> Unbelievable the <laughs> hatred that you guys have for, for like the the one pure heart. In, thank you, Andy. I love um, love my pure bishop. <laughs> so in the same way, in the same way that the uh, the cryopods completely change from Aliens to Alien Three, they go back to that uh, smooth alien look. I think we can then assume that other parts of the ship can be similar to what we'd seen before, but not identical. Ergo, I think that egg is actually stuck underneath the the grating inside the um uh the bay where the where the dropship lands the hangar i think the the hangar bay thank you mm. when the queen was pulling up those uh floor pieces to try to get to newt i think she stuck one up right inside there underneath the floor grating where they weren't going to look if she'd left it in the cryo bay or anywhere she couldn't she never left she never left the hangar bay and mm. I, I refuse to believe that Bishop had anything to do with this. So I think she put something, something small that grew quickly. Going back to Perry's theory, something that, you know, exited her body, but did not go through the ovipositor. So the small thing, stick it up in there and it grows. And when it's, when it's ready, it has to come out. It has to go looking because this is the, the continuance of the whole species is, is dependent on this one 
super face hugger that can do a whole bunch of stuff that we've never seen before. So again, taking this film as, um, as an honest entry in the series, not, not a farce, like, like a resurrection and not a retcon like other things. This face hugger has to be unique. It has to do exceptional things. And so I think that once it was matured, it came out and it went looking and the rest is history. Outstanding. Oh, we need a deck of cards. It's the mother of all face huggers. Is that what you're saying? Yes, it's the mother hugger. Mother hugger. Mother hugger. It's the Moaf. Mother mother. Uh, Xander has a good point that I want to throw out there also, Christian, uh, before we come back to that. That's sort of related. Uh, Xander points out that in Aliens, we do hear the face hugger running around after the credits so you can hear the scuttling, right? So he believes that, yeah, yeah, so Cameron intended it. uh, And when they were making Alien 3, they needed the egg shot for people who didn't know about the after credit audio cue. So, uh, yeah, there's that that, that face hugger could be scuttling around the ducting under the floor work, you know, in the Sulaco hangar bay. Isn't there also a an audio cue of an egg opening as well. It, that's what it is. It's an egg yeah. opening. And it's, I think, only in the special edition. I don't, I don't think it was in the theatrical. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the very, mm-hmm. very end. Oh, that's right. Okay. But even so, the theatrical, the, the special edition came out before Alien 3. However, who, in 1986 or 1991 or whenever, people didn't say to the end credits. That was just a little, a fun little thing I did too, Andy. Yes. <laughs> Yo, uh, those people buying a Laserdisc in 1991 were saying to the end credits, I think. All right. But I don't think that you can base an entire sequel on a single sound effect, even though I love that it's there. I love that it it gives that little bit of continuity for those of us who really desperately want these films to tie together. Yes. I love that it's there. And it gives it... I know people tend to think of Aliens uh, for all the shit it put us through as like the happy ending one or at least the more hopeful one. And I love that little split second of darkness that that kind of ties it into, you know what I mean? It like brings it back down a little bit, which I always appreciated. You started this. Show me everything. I can handle myself. Yeah, I noticed. So I think it's fair to say that some of us are on team queen did it. I don't know. Team queen versus some of you are on this weird thing called team Bishop. You want to explain what your, what your side is? Before we get into Team Bishop, though, we have to talk about him for a minute because there's a couple of moments, one specific moment I'll just reference, where he's dissecting the face hugger. And what's the character's name? He goes, Hello, Bishop. What's his name? I can't remember. Yeah. Spunkmeyer. Um, Spunkmeyer. Spunkmeyer. Yeah. And Bishop's kind of glazed over. He's in this. And he's kind of looked kind of freaky to me. He kind of looks scary to me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Honestly. Uh, Could be. But so I know that like I, this, again, this is all supposition. We we don't know these things, but I know that like people want to love Bishop and Bishop's the good one and we love him and he blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, like, don't you want to, if you are a company that is out for like domination and, and to, to, take over the world and have bioweapons and all these things like wouldn't you wouldn't your droids now that you've learned a little bit of lessons from alien wouldn't those droids then make you feel as good as you possibly could so you could completely trust them so that you wouldn't doubt so that that they might be doing something behind your back what right like why would this company and why would this company be like oh no like (laughs) we're gonna make this droid really good there's no He's completely fine. Yeah, there's like, 
sure, sure, Jan. Like, no way. There's just no way. So I, but I'm not also saying in that, in that um, idea that, of course, Bishop did it. This is speculation, but it would make sense based off who the company is, based off what we've seen and how we've seen them behave, that they make a better version of Ash. And Bishop is a better version of Ash. He's got behavioral inhibitors on him. He's got all of these things working for him. But that doesn't mean the company can't come in and supersede those things. This is what the company is telling you. It's like it's like a company saying, oh, no, everything that you're buying from us is safe. And then five years later, you find out that the, the dishes in your cabinet aren't safe. But they told you they were safe. So we're being told by this company, Bishop's great. Everything's good. He's got behavioral inhibitors. inhibitors. We're great. We're good. Yeah, let's go have a party. Fuck off. No way. There's just no way. So this blind trust in Bishop, I think, is a little premature. To be fair, yep. to be fair, Bishop is a Hyperdyne Systems okay. droid. Mm-hmm. He's not Wayland Utani. Okay. They're but an independent company. Yeah, and but I'm not he's saying also, they're good. I'm just saying. But he's also on a company mission. So the company no, has No, no, no. He is on a Colonial Marine mission. He is owned by the USCM. Made by Hyperdyne. He has nothing to do with Wailing Utani. Yeah, he's but, not Wailing Utani. But, but he's going into a company owned, like Hadley's Hope is a company owned thing. So right. they know it's- what's going on. And then, and then, okay, so maybe, but then you also have, what's his name? Uh, Burke there for his own nefarious right. reasons. He's also telling you that everything's fine. Of course, he's a little bit more, you can read him easily because he's a human. So he's he doesn't have things happening where he's just kind of deadpan like Bishop is. Bishop is sort of deadpan in everything. He's not that emotive except for at the end when he smiles at Ripley after she, you know, saves him or she says good job or whatever. Um, so yeah. I, okay, so maybe they're not made by the company, but they're on a they're on company soil. The company knows they're coming in. Like I, I just I don't buy that he's just this all good perfect thing. I just don't. Can I just say too, like, this is what I love about this conversation so much because all of these things could be real, right? Like we don't see any of it. It it could be all of these things. Um, and so I was definitely like growing up on the, on the, uh, the queen team, queen, queen hugger train. But, uh, <laughs> I also want to bring mother up hugger. a rap- mother hugger. What, uh, another thing I want to bring up and a rabbit hole that we don't obviously need to go down because it's a whole nother conversation, but Bishop being an Android could be kind of like on the Blade Runner sort of trying to be a good Android because it's the only thing that makes him feel human sort of a thing. Like understanding his AI is so, so he's like trying to actually do the right thing, right? To be, and I, so I'm defending Bishop here in this one little idea. But um, kind of like K, right, from Blade Runner 2049, like, he's, it's the only thing that makes him truly feel human. He's, like, helping out or trying to help humanity out in some way. Anyway, um, but Jamie, I love the idea, just like, and also just the, since we brought up that we we're going to have this roundtable and just thinking more into this, um, I love the idea that it could be Bishop, that it is the company, and like, Christian... Patrick, Andy, to all of your points about like it's a colonial marine mission, it's a hyperdyne android, like all of those things are true. But all of what we know about Peter Whalen, like even if you look at Prometheus, right, and you just look at like the character building that's that 
um, I don't want to say started there, but uh, it sort of was shown to us as before what we what we see in Alien, right, of this man who created this company and how nefarious he was to his own children and th- and things of that nature, right? Like, why couldn't the company also secretly figure out a way to, and I'm going to do an Alex White calling here to the Cold Forge, but be able to sort of control Bishop in a way or be able to like hack in into his brain and be able to like control him in a sense. And that's what I always, since I read the Cold Forge, actually, that is what an idea that always came to me when I saw that scene, Jamie, when Spunkmeyer comes by and asks Bishop, like, how's it going? And Bishop just looks back at him and he doesn't like, like say dude, you got any Doritos? Yeah. He's like, chill <laughs> out, man. Bishop was high on science, okay? Yeah, high, high on science. science. What's the matter, man? Magnificent specimen, isn't it? Yes. He says yeah. magnificent specimen, isn't it? Yes, yes. Why is a, a droid saying magnificent specimen? Because he was programmed. Like, the, the, he's programmed. The, okay. Yes, he's programmed. Um, <laughs> but he's like fascinated like that a part of his ai is learning right and like being fascinated by new information so i think there was just that fascination of what is this thing but getting back to team bishop or not actually team queen um and getting back to jamie what you were saying about how um maybe naive is what you were trying to call people who put their <laughs> blind faith in Bishop. Perhaps. I think, <laughs> I think that's Burke's, but that's what Burke was there for. Burke was there to whisper in the ear of Bishop, you know, tell like he was trying to tell him because he wasn't the company. He was with Marines. So Burke was trying to get him maybe, you know, and scenes we didn't see that were implied and Ripley talked about, you know, putting himself in Bishop's ear saying, oh, hey, you know, like, let's bring some of these on board. Let's, you know, research them. He gave him very implicit instructions. So if he was controlled by the company, why would Burke need to give him the instructions? And why would he then tell Ripley that Burke had said that? Sure. Very true. So I need to make a, a slight correction. The movie only states that Ash was a hyperdyne systems. Uh, Hyperdyne's A2 or something. Always a bit twitchy. 128.2. Right. Uh, it does not say in the film that Bishop is. Um, expanded Universe material has always said that Bishop was a Hyperdyne system uh, as well. However, I just want to oh. be clear on that because that's, you know, we're, we're not going to build our incredibly rock solid um, argument. Theory, on, yeah. On yeah. yeah. Thanks, Christian. No, no. I just, you know. Continuity, man. No, no, but no. But it it's sort important. of implies when he says with our new inhibitors. So it sort of implies that he's part of that same and company. Andy, wouldn't you agree that um, bringing a, a dangerous life form like that on board the ship would actually break those asthma Correct. Rules, right? Yes. Like, he really couldn't do that. You'll notice that when someone tried to hand him a pistol, he handed it right back. He couldn't handle that. So how could he possibly pick up an egg knowing that through an action, it would cause harm to a human being? Unless he brought a face hugger itself on board. And not an egg. Which no, no, no. A face hugger is even worse, Jamie. A face yeah, hugger one hundred percent is going to hurt someone. He can't touch it. He really can't. Maybe you know <laughs> when 
I think the we're convincing him. Though, the larger conversation <laughs> is, so, can I, you ever have doubted Bishop based solely on aliens? Alien 3 has tainted your perception of aliens moving backwards as it has tainted many other things. This is part of the problem with Alien 3. Aliens presents... <laughs> No, no, no. You you're taking you're taking a later entry in the series, which is also why why Perry, when you started bringing up Prometheus, I had to roll my eyes. I don't care about Peter Wayland. You know that's fine. No, that's fine. Wait, so wait, no, wait. I I like this Christian. Oh, I like this Christian. I do like this Christian. (laughs) I just have to go back to like all of these things. This is why I love this conversation because all of these things you can grasp from. I I know. Like we could silo the first three films and just talk about that. And so I I know I'm grasping at the entire series, right? In the universe of that's what's been presented to us in this day in, in current time. Cause I've like, I've thought about this so much. And as I've seen the movies, I like kind of build on like, Oh, it could have kind of happened this way and that way. And, but I get it, Christian, I totally get it. And I know who you are deep down in, in your heart about like these films and how you feel about everything just knowing you as long as i have and so i love this i love it man it's uh it's great so roll your eyes all you want <laughs> you know I, in preparing for this episode uh i was having some strong deja vu and i was wondering why and i went on avp galaxy forums and there's discussions from 15 years ago that i'm participating in about this oh. question <laughs> because it came up all the fucking time and and one of the ones the threads that i opened up <laughs> starts with somebody going listen i know this has been asked a lot but i just had to wonder like how the hell did the egg get on the sulaco and it takes four sentences for them to get to bishop and be like maybe that's what happened and then the thread blows up and everybody's arguing about it um and it's it's interesting i'm team queen i don't think bishop had anything to do with this like at all but i do have to push back on christian slightly in that i think aliens is the one giving us all of this ammunition against Bishop the entire time until the end, because it's playing with his expectations of the audience. Because the first time you see the movie, yes. right, you're watching it through Ripley's eyes. And Ripley, of course, had a horrible experience with it, with the droid in the previous mission. So she sees a synthetic person. She's skeptical. And then the movie gives us moments like the one Jamie keeps talking about where, you know, Bishop has been token in the bathroom and he looks sort of vacant. And, you know, we're supposed to read that as like, oh, something nefarious is going on. Right. And indeed, the entire movie, we're given glimpses of that. Right. And then and then we have to push against it and we go, well, he's being selfless. He's the one going through the pipe to get out, to get access to the dropship. He's the one remote piloting. He's the one. But then why did it take him so long to circle around? OK, well, you know, th- there's literally a nuke going off right now, so we don't really have time to interrogate that idea. So let's just like trust that he's telling the truth. And then in a final act of real selflessness, it feels like, or at least synthetic selflessness, his torso saves a child who's about to fall to her death, right? So we're given this ultimate exclamation point with like, yes, he is a good being, right? He's fundamentally good. He's fundamentally trustworthy. And Cameron did that intentionally because he'd given us a full movie's worth of like, is he or isn't he's right? And then finally we're like, okay, we were right to, to trust in him. And then Cameron puts that egg opening at the end of the special edition. And you're like, well, wait a minute. So I, so I do think that Cameron is deliberately laying seeds or laying, laying eggs, if you will, for that, for that kind of an idea. Um, but I do think that it is like it, completely false. I think that we're supposed, what's happening basically is that we are taking this moment 
moment of hesitation, right? Where he's circling with the dropship and it's an unstable landing, so he has to go around. Which anybody who's seen any rescue video in history knows is always the case, right? The helicopter can never go out when the seas are rough. The helicopter has to circle around. You know, like this is a, a common theme that's real, right? So, so it makes a lot of sense. But we have this final moment of like, wow, maybe he was really bad all along. And then the fact that it's not true is what, to me, gives Aliens its ultimate character, which is fundamentally optimistic. And this is what we always talk about with this movie, right? If Aliens went slightly different towards the end, if we got some of Alien 3's beginning at the end of, of Aliens, like Im imagine Aliens ending with Newt actually dying, going through the airlock and dying in the vacuum of space. Like what a different movie would that, I mean, that would be horrific, right? Especially because of the context, because we, as you know, Ripley's, cypher protagonists ourselves are in love with newt we would do anything for this child by the end of this movie we feel completely protective of her right so if that had happened in the context of aliens it would be a very, a very different film but instead cameron delays he, he doesn't do any of that he gives us a movie that ends with an upshot and we are led to believe that it's a fundamentally good universe and then when alien 3 destroys that which we've talked about in nauseam you know, we see something very different. So I, I guess this is, uh, I don't even know what my point was, but I, I, I'm saying that I, I don't think Bishop had anything to do with it, but I have been having this conversation for since like I was a college student online and it's a really interesting one to unpack. Remember short controlled bursts. Here's the, here's the question about Bishop and I'm not even like, I don't fully believe that Bishop did it. I'm just open to the possibility that he did, but even pulling back from that, let's just say Bishop didn't do it. I, I think discussing AI, which is what he is, and discussing technology, and he's very expensive, I would imagine, to to manufacture, to program, to get him out into the field, to get him his, all that kind of thing. You know, it's very expensive. I can't imagine, I, I don't, I am not overly trusting of technology as much as I use it and love it every day. I don't know if I love it, but I use it every day as, as everyone does. But I don't know any one of us here that completely trusts our activity on social media, right? We don't trust it. We don't trust, we don't know what they're doing with our, I mean, I guess we sort of do now, but we don't know to what lengths they're going to, to use our information against us, sell it to other people, whatever. So I take that information in our very real world now, and I think about Bishop, and I don't fully trust Bishop. And I'm not saying Bishop isn't trustworthy, but I, I, I think it is fully possible that Bishop as a character has other things happening inside of his programming that we don't know about. Again, and I know maybe it was subterfuge on Cameron's part where you see him and he's doing the dissection and he's kind of out there. He's kind of in the zone. He's spaced out. It's a little bit freaky. It's freaky because you don't know what he's thinking. It's freaky because you, there's no expression on his face most of the time in the movie there's not an expression on his face he's just kind of like okay i can do this i can do that all right he's like walter walter and and i know christian you don't you know those are the prequels and they're different and I, I i agree with that but walter is similar you feel very i love walter walter's very warm and loving and kind but i don't that's not technology. That's not how technology works. That's why I've been suspect of joy since day one. And we've gone on the, on and on about those conversations. So my, whether or not Bishop put that egg on the ship, and maybe he didn't, probably he didn't. It was probably the queen. I don't know. I think it's possible that he had programming in him by the people who own him or the people who've contracted him to, to supersede some of his nice guy qualities to do some things that are nefarious. 
for their purposes. That's how technology works. So I'll just throw that out there. I think you're having a 2023 conversation about a 1986 piece of writing. (laughs) And and I mean that seriously, because with joy, I think it's a hundred percent there. I I agree with you about joy. I am not, I'm not buying any of the bullshit that she's selling in that film. But in 1986, a robot, an Android is a very different thing. There's no, you know what I'm saying? Like he he can't he can't go over and put his hand on the the keyboard and make a neural connection that gets him up to the Sulaco where he can take on a new body and fly down a new ship or any of that kind of thing. It is a very very different world. Sure, I never thought about it like that. Can yeah. you look at a film from that time with a, a modern skepticism? One hundred percent. I'm not saying you can't do that, but I I just want to put that out there that as the years go by, I think it's easier. I think it's easier to look at Ash and say, God damn right. That is exactly right. And, and Bishop, Bishop has this weird quality. Now, Lance Henriksen is on record as saying he played the role as someone who is living in constant fear of being terminated. That at any point, any of the humans here can say, no, 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 that guy's done, shut him off. And so he's, he's subservient. He is obsequious. He's looking for not not approval. He's looking for the continuation. He wants his life to keep going. And so he's following the rules that he's been given fully aware that the rules keep changing and he has no control over it. I love Bishop. And so clearly I'm pushing hard on this. And so just to finish this quickly, I, when I watch alien Ripley is not a mother. I cannot make that make sense. That's taking something from a, a, a sequel film and trying to apply it to the previous film. It doesn't work for me. When I watch Aliens, it doesn't matter what happened in Alien 3. I can't, I can't take that future knowledge and apply it to Aliens because it takes a character and it, it distorts him for no reason except to, to cover plot contrivance. So that's my issue. The pushback on that, though, is Ash. So we have Ash, who has established an alien, who had other things going on with him. They they brought him aboard the Nostromo at Thetis. It was like this quick change. No, the crew didn't really know him. There's things going on inside Ash that people didn't know, like in terms of programming his mission, all of that. So it does kind of set up to me the the possibility that there could be things going on in Bishop that we don't know. Even though Bishop's a new model, it's 57 years later. Droids have been, you know, they've been reworked so that they're less dangerous around humans um at the same well that's a whole other conversation but uh so i think i feel like we can look at bishop through the lens of ash in some ways like ash was nefarious ash had but we didn't know this until you know two-thirds into the film when we see him in the mother room with ripley and then you see that ash is on board with what the company is doing. Ash is an agent of the company. And if Ash was made by the same people that Bishop was, Bishop has those same possibilities. Now, whether or not things were going on at the time, we just don't know. Again, this is all it's just speculation, but I, I guess I'm just trying to leave the door open that it's possible that there are things going on with Bishop that we don't know as much as we want to love him. And I just, again, with technology, I've, and I understand, like I totally agree with you, Pat, uh, Christian, in terms of 
the 19 or the 2023 mindset in a 1986 film. I still think Ridley Scott and Dan O'Bannon opened the door for us to question Ash's motives, or I'm sorry, Bishop's motives. The thing with Bishop, though, is he has a previous relationship with these Marines, right? Like he's worked with them before. When he's when Hudson says, do the thing with the knife, they have, you know, if he was planted by the company specifically for this mission, he would be new to them. So that to me just tells me that this he's part of the Marines and Burke and the company have to go along with the fact that, no, he's the guy. They can't just implant another guy like they did with Ash and, you know, surreptitiously add an android. So for me, that's just another argument there because they know him. They already have that built in trust. I like that, Andy. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's done the knife thing enough times that they have a shorthand for it and he's uncomfortable because he, they know that he doesn't like doing it. And they're kind of using that to make it funny, right? Because they're kind of teasing him. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. And it's also worth pointing out that the same role that Ash plays in Alien is played by Burke in Aliens. It's the same exact thing, right? He's a double agent that we don't know the true motives until two thirds of the way through the movie shortly before the demise of the character. I mean, it's literally just the same character, but you know, once a human. So, so I, I think that like that element is there and don't forget just, just for the record that Bishop is not made by the same people. I just want to, I want to clarify that. So it is a different, it's, a, I think it's a very different setup and I think Bishop is there for very different circumstances. That being said, in the expanded universe, there was precedent for the alien queen having an, an alien, you know, architecture and, and whatnot having influence on synthetics, which is an interesting thing to think about. Right. Um, in Fire and Stone, for example, we have you know an, a, a synthetic who falls in love with what the black goo can do. Sorry to bring up prequels, I know, but you know, and so that leads to this whole other story about you know this this the intoxication because there is a clear precedent both in Ash and in Bishop of artificial humans being fascinated by what the alien organism is and what it represents. And even Bishop, if we look at him as a purely good character, which I still do is clearly fascinated in an unusual way with the way in which it's put together, right? Like it's something that intrigues him. And I think it makes a lot of sense, right? Because like, I mean, th think about it. Like these, these, these beings are programmed for very specific utilitarian purposes to accomplish certain tasks. And they're finding things that exist outside of the parameters that they've been programmed for, right? So if a computer looks at a horse for the first time, it's not going to know what a horse is because it's not a computer, right? It has to learn what a horse is to understand what a horse is. Similar to this, I think that like these, these artificial humans don't know what they're dealing with and they see it and they're intrigued by it. And, you know, that's sort of what's going on. But uh, I, I guess, you know, you could, you could potentially take the angle that Bishop was corrupted by the queen. The queen, of course, in the expanded universe, which was post-dates aliens. So again, this is applying post-thinking to pre-thinking, you know, the queen can emit pheromones and can emit uh, actual dreams in some storylines, which is really cool, that can influence people to do things on her behest and can cross the barriers of language and species to accomplish tasks with mind control. So if you want to be really, <laughs> Jamie doesn't like this, if you want to be really out, it's science, Jamie. If you want to go really out there and you want to try to make this bishop bullshit theory work, that's one angle you could do. If you want to talk about fucking daydreaming queen's controlling robots but you know it, it's it's an interesting conundrum to think about you secure that shit hudson here's something that upends the conundrum a little bit with bishop the, with his behavioral inhibitor where he goes it's it is impossible for me to harm or by my, by mission of action allowed to be harmed human being oh but i can pick up a knife 
and put it on your hand on my hand oh, no, on no, your no. hand. He never misses. No, that's the, that's the whole point. That's why he cut himself. He cut himself to stop it. No. He still had a weapon right next to a human. He shouldn't have been able to even do that. That's my thing. Not whatsoever. Know. You shouldn't be Go able to pick up a weapon. Sacrifice Go Jamie. stab your hand, your own hand with a knife right now, Jamie. You're not going to die, dude. Okay. A heavy Bye. bandage. <laughs> the aspirin, you'll be fine. No, do, the right. do the gun trick. Do the trick with a gun. Do the gun <laughs> trick. You can't do that. Do that but Honestly, that goes along with Christian's talking about him being scared of being fucking ducking under the table. <laughs> I thought you never miss. Do the thing with the gun. <laughs> his ears blown off. The only thing that's suspicious about Bishop is his haircut. What the hell <laughs> is this like shaggy, you know, 12-year-old haircut on this man? I don't understand that. Seriously, <laughs> though, the, the knife trick is specifically there to show that he can't harm a human. He can do this incredibly ridiculous thing. He cut himself rather than cut Hudson's finger. So that's... It's, it's also to, to reveal that he's correct uh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But so convenient, but it okay. kind of goes along. Yeah, with he's Christian a, he's a Messiah figure, Jamie. He's him, <laughs> I think he also, like you can see at the, when they're eating, he's sitting with the three people that he has never been with before. So even though he's worked with these Marines, he's, he's an outsider. And that, that I, you can tell he's like this little boy who's like, okay it's like the peer pressure thing and they're like do it bishop and he just like you said he's afraid of being switched off right he has to blend in and i think that's part of it and he cut himself on purpose so i do think there's a that naivete but also that like i want to be part of you guys sort of programming you know so that's how i took it which I think is a beautifully is, sophisticated take on artificial intelligence for the early to mid 1980s. Like that's a really rare thing to see. Like look at what look at what's happening with Skynet. You know, like I mean, <laughs> the robots in movies in the 80s were almost uniformly terrifying. They they were yeah. like agents of destruction, right? Perfect organism. And Cameron took what we expected and gave us this strange otherized robot, basically who ended up being a really human character, <laughs> similar to another film that we talk about, which came out four years before this, it, playing with our expectations of what synthetic or you know non-human people can can be, which is really cool, subverting things. Take it back now, to Alien 3 for a minute. What, what do we gain by making the bishop from the previous film questionable slash evil when the film gives us the questionable slash evil bishop at the end of the film? Isn't that redundant then? Don't, doesn't... Bishop at the Bishop two or Michael Bishop, whatever you want to call him, doesn't he gain more by being the foil to the Bishop that we already know? If we're, if we're supposed to take the Bishop, we know and say, Oh, this guy was actually potentially a creep. And now here's another one that doesn't, that, what does that give you? Is the Bishop in alien three, the guy who arrives, is he an Android? I don't think he is. Doesn't matter if he's an Android or not. <laughs> that could be a whole other episode though. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's another thing everybody fucking argues about. That's true. Yeah. But, but, but he's still the face of Bishop right. giving True. this this devil's promise. True. And really, in Alien 3, Bishop, the remains of Bishop, is really the last thing tethering Ripley to her previous life. So it, it would be this constant flip-flop of good Bishop, bad Bishop, good Bishop, bad Bishop. You know, And I think that would be even, like, I don't know, almost like... 
I don't know, a little ridiculous to do. I think keeping him at the level that we knew. And then like Christian said, reintroducing this new sort of sinister version of Bishop makes more sense. Otherwise it just, it would toy with us too much that Ripley's last, you know, interaction with what tethered her to her previous life was this sinister thing. I don't know. Revisiting one of these AVP galaxy threads. I want to read a comment. So a, a, a special shout out to, uh, Stay Frosty, who on October 31st, 2011, at 120 in the morning, wrote this. It says <laughs> They say, I get the feeling that the common answer around here will be that Bishop put the egg on the Sulaco. It does make sense. In Alien 3, when Ripley plugs the broken droid in, Bishop seems disturbed by something. It's like he doesn't want Ripley to know he put the egg on the Sulaco, which is why he urges her to permanently disconnect him. He's afraid she'll force him to reveal how the egg got on board. Bishop did have plenty of time in Aliens to have recovered an egg and put it aboard the Sulaco. In fact, this likely would have occurred before the initial battle. Now, I'm reading that not because I agree with Stay Frosty, although Stay Frosty, you stay frosty. Uh, welcome. <laughs> Hi from the year 2023. Uh, I'm saying it because what we have in front of us, everyone, is, as Christian Matsuko would put it, a Rorschach test, right? We have a great example of this where we are reading into it such wildly different things based on what we fear and what we expect. So here's an example of something where, to me, the, the poignance of the scene in Alien 3 that, that, that Stay Frosty is referencing, which is one of my favorite scenes in all of the Alien films, right? That for, for me, and I think probably for most of us, the poignancy of that scene comes from the realization of exactly what, as Andy and Christian have been mentioning, he was afraid of the entire time, which was that he actually was no longer needed. He was no longer... Uh, you know, worth plugging in. And he wakes up to find that about himself, right? Which is which is an incredible nightmare to consider because not only is it like something that we're afraid of as humans, but if you're an engineered person like that, whose sole existence is to be useful and you are not, that's like, that's terrifying, right? So to me, the poignance of that moment comes from that. It comes from him waking up to realize he's no longer needed and that he needs to be put out of his misery, literally. But it's interesting to go back to these threads and see people seeing that same scene and saying that the the strangeness of that scene hints that there's something in the shadows underneath what he's saying. And the, the reality is, is that we are given two films that don't necessarily contradict that because there is enough open because of continuity issues for us to be able to kind of draw lines between things that we may or may not want to. So it's just interesting to see that. Yo! Stop your grinning and drop your linen. Are you guys ready for a third theory? Yes. Yes. It, Christian. Yeah. Bring it. <clears throat> Ripley put the egg there. Oh, come on. <laughs> go, go on. What do you mean? No, I'm serious. I'm deadly <laughs> serious. Stop. Ripley, Ripley, no, Ripley put the egg there because it's her worst fear, right? The worst possible thing is this impregnation of either herself or Newt because Alien 3 is a dream sequence. It is the oh. culmination of the worst things that could possibly happen that traumatically are playing through her mind. Now, I'm not saying this to be a shithead. I'm really not. But there is so much dream imagery in Alien 3. There's so much about the, the color palette, about the odd choices, even just the fact that it is it is so much of the things that, you know, she, her, her fears include losing a child. Her fears include losing, you know, her connection to a family or to, to whatever. And even Bishop at the end, whoever we want to call him, is that final, you know, someone that you trust, someone that you love, everyone else you love is dead. And then someone that you think you can trust comes back and is evil. 
I don't know. I just want to put it out there. That that is one other theory is that the whole thing's a dream, and therefore Ripley put the egg on the Sulaco. And there's precedent for that briefly because the Ward version of the script opens with the dream sequence, right, where there's a girl in a field surrounded by corn. So there are, and also a major component of the Ward script is dreams, right? We see the creature in dreams. We have these these previsions occurring in dreams. So I think the script that they were shooting with, which was, of course, heavily indebted to the word script, already was coming from a place where dreams were part of the fabric of it. So, yeah, maybe you could be right. Well, Aliens has a dream sequence right at the beginning as well. So we've already been given a dream, you know, and it, and it looked like reality. And it and is so a it horrifying dream. Yeah. yeah. So can you clarify, Christian? She <laughs> puts it on and then has the dream? No, 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 no. I'm saying the whole thing is in her head. The, okay. the egg is the there because that would be oh, a very scary. Oh, okay. Thing. That makes more yes, sense. Yes, because I was like, confused. There's no I was fucking like, way. <laughs> <laughs> but at what, what, when does the dream begin? Andy, she also painted the brown, the, the whole ship brown. <laughs> <laughs> she changed the, the cryo tubes. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying the entire film and resurrection are just bad dreams in her head. So she's still in, she's still in stasis she's coming just out of in stasis. Yeah. Got it. Yep. And then she'll arrive on earth and then whatever happens, happens. My guess I, is that she and Hicks have a very intense relationship for about three or four weeks and then discover that sex can't be the only thing that holds them together <laughs> and they drift apart, but they stay together for the sake of Newt. And so they co-parent, they each have their own homes. You know, it's really nice. <laughs> Isn't that what happens? Uh, so, see, this is a theory of someone who's in denial about what actually happened in <laughs> Alien Three. Okay, <laughs> I just want to—I want to praise Andy for getting my speed reference because I don't usually. I completely <laughs> got the speed reference. <laughs> I did not. It's a relationship. Nice. What is it? Relationships. I didn't... That, there's a quote. I don't know it. Yeah. Relationships that begin with something about severe trauma, trauma isn't enough to to base a relationship. Never last. Yeah, and something like that. Like, then we'll have to base it on sex. <laughs> That, that was a why bad Keanu Reeves impression, Christian. Oh my, my God. God. That was terrible. I think I, Xander's, suggesting, Xander's suggesting a part two. I, I think we should do a part two on this God. as well, because we also haven't gotten to listener comments yet. And I, just as a suggestion, I, I think we should reopen this conversation with some more listener suggestions, but also opening it up to the, the whole Michael Bishop conversation yes, as well I, because that's something yes. that people have just we've just been arguing in circles about for the last 30 years 30 you know and i i think it could be kind of fun to have that conversation too so maybe we kind of continue this whole like i agree i love it alien yes. stuff. can i just add to this patrick too that i this is great and i it would be awesome for people to like write in and tell us too like what they thought maybe when they were younger and first seeing it um, their ideas of it and and what kind of what they speculated themselves right because the whole idea of alien was built around this mystery of what the space jockey was right and and like what the whole origin story behind that is and and Ridley Scott like leaves that whole and Dan O'Bannon like leave that whole story not there or or mysterious for us to to build upon in our own brains and i feel like that's what's awesome about art right like i know i've talked about this before but but picture or um cinema movies right are just moving portraits like paintings of pictures that you look at and you're like wow what is what does this truly mean what what's behind this idea and it can mean so many things to so many different people um, that's why, again, I know I've said this like a million times, but 
Say it with me, guys. I love this conversation. <laughs> and uh it's it's just cool because I, I love that Alien like gave the, the whole series and franchise just gave us that gift of being able to extrapolate so much on these theories and like what else was in this universe universe. My God, did I <laughs> universe? And uh, it's great that like we got like what Dark Horse gave us with the comics and, and like what's just been built out of all these stories. So like it'd be cool too to to also maybe talk on. I love the Michael Bishop, the Bishop two idea. If we can like go off of that, but too like um, is is there more behind like not just the Queen, but like the egg morphings sort of idea there is there is there more to that that could have happened I, I know that the the alien the creature itself as perfect as it is it can also be like kind of simple as we think of it as like kind of like an animal because i think that's like what our brains go to when we just think of something like that because we can't like fully understand what that organism is i, I don't think like we ever will but it's like but we can simply say that it's like the smartest creature it knows what it's doing it, it's so smart so like patrick to your point talking about like um what dark horse kind of gave us with the um being able to influence androids and things like that like that's really cool that's why you <laughs> love this conversation Perry. yeah you that's why i love Patrick. this conversation <laughs> yes. it looks like there's a lot more to talk about there's a lot of rabbit holes to go down with this and we want to cover some more of those uh, with listener comments and patron comments so if you guys are interested send us an email at contact at perfectorganism.com. Uh, we, we would love to hear what you guys think about this, your theories, whatever rabbit holes you're going to go down. We'll, we'll try and cover them as best we can. This was actually, this conversation was bigger than I thought it would be. I didn't think that it would like turn into what it did as always, it always does. Um, and it's pretty exciting. It's great to actually have, again, have an episode where we're talking about, we're speculating because I think a lot of what I love about the alien series is what I bring to it. What it's, it's, it's mystery. And there's a lot of mystery in alien, but there's a lot of mystery in aliens as well. And there's of course a lot of mystery in alien three. So uh, I'm excited to hear what everyone else has to say. Yeah. Right in everybody and join our Patreon and join, please join Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> we need funding. Please. To do. <laughs> please. We want to make another movie. Come on. Three hour we, movie. <laughs> we do. We want to feature a length. No, but we, we just, Thank you for everybody very much. <laughs> yes, and thanks everyone right. for coming on. Great conversation. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Let's rock! To find out more information about Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please go to www.perfectorganism.com. If you'd like to support the show, please go to www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.